Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. Welcome back to the Facility Dude Podcast. My name is Grace Tester, and I'm here with Bob Bittner. How are you, Bob? I'm doing great, Grace. Good. Well, this week we have uh, something big coming up, and I want to remind you, so don't forget, this weekend is Mother's Day. Um, I have to run out and get a card and get some flowers sent, so I didn't want you to forget your wife and your mother, too. <laughs> well, well, thank you, because I think uh, particularly uh, those of us that are of the male gender, we have kind of a tendency to put that off yeah, to the last minute. it's funny how that so. works out, and that slips your brain. <laughs> so, guys, uh, think of your mom, think of your wife, uh, the, the mother of your children, if you have children. <laughs> My mother just turned 97 years old. Oh, my gosh. She's, she's doing great. She lives in... Pennsylvania and uh, talked to her last night and uh, so she's she's still uh, around and kicking and doing well. <laughs> we'll so definitely send her some flowers. I, I definitely will remember her. <laughs> yeah. Well so last week we were talking about building automation systems BAS um, and we kind of talked about the history of lead up of you know where they came from what are their functionalities and how in this present day you know what what are they doing now. So uh, tell us a little bit about how we're going to expand on that this week. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, really what does the building automation system do? Right. What, what are they capable of doing and what are people using them for? And I always compare this kind of like to uh, Excel, mm-hmm. uh, an Excel spreadsheet. What, what capabilities does an Excel spreadsheet have? Well, there's a lot more into it than, than I'm capable of doing. You know, I can put numbers in rows and I can add them <laughs> up and I can make some very simple equations and calculations out of them. But if I have something that's really hard, I walk across the hall to somebody else oh, and say, how do you do this? I know so it's possible. How the do you benefits do it? of working in an office like this is you have constant help on anything computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you can take data and turn it into pie charts, and you can take data and sort it and do lots of different things in an Excel spreadsheet. Well, kind of like a building automation system, it has all this capability, all these different functionalities of them. But unfortunately, a lot of times, as owners and managers of property, we only use a small percentage of what they're capable of doing. Right. And some of it, uh, probably no one has the need for everything that's in there, but uh, people ought to be using more than what they are using it for. We talked uh, last week about the time clock. Mm -hmm. And that's the functionality that most people use a building automation system for at a minimum as a time clock. And it turns things on, it turns things off, it uh, modulates valves, it opens things, it closes things. We set it up one time and we kind of forget it. Right. We don't go there anymore. And it's we referred to it last week as kind of that black box in, a, in an airplane that um, we just kind of put it there and forget it. Yeah. Well, this week I wanted to talk about some of those functions that are in there that maybe we don't often use them uh, to, to the full benefit. One of those things is just the idea of, of uh, performing an electrical demand. Most building automation systems have in them what's called a demand limiting capability. And what that does is that most utilities put a, a premium charge if you exceed a certain amount of electricity that right. you use at any one time, called a demand charge. Well, your building automation system is capable of keeping that demand charge down to a certain threshold. So you understand what that threshold is for your building, and you program that in, 
and let's, let's say it's uh, 500 kW. And uh, so you don't want to go over 500 kW. And so you program that into your building automation system. And what actually happens, uh, and you make all the determinations of the things that you want to happen, but if it's on a hot day and things are really working hard and there's a lot of things running and it's approaching and the, the calculation is being made that you're going to exceed that 500 kW of demand, then you can program the system and it will look at things and say, okay, I don't want to exceed that, so I'm going to start taking some action in the building. Right. I'm going to turn off hallway lights, for instance. Uh, in most of all of our buildings, we have enough lighting in there that's required by safety code that there's still enough light to get around, so I'm going to turn that off. Or I'm going to change the temperature of the building a little bit. I'm going to raise the temperature of the building up uh, a degree or two warmer, which in turn backs everything down uh, and saves energy to keep it under that 500 kW uh, during that amount of time to where it, when it starts to taper off and go below that 500 mm -hmm. and we don't look like it's going to calculate anymore to do that, that uh, then it will uh, stay under there and save you a lot of money. Yeah, you know, I think the first time that I came across that and understanding really what that was, because, you know, I was like everyone else, you read your bill, you just pay it, you know, you see these peak charges, and you don't really know what they're for, but that's fine. Well, when I was working here in client services at Facility Dude, we had a client that noticed, you know, they were getting all of these peak charges, and he actually then used his BASS system to slowly turn on stuff throughout so it wasn't just skyrocketing the usage all right. at once. Mm -hmm. So he just programmed basically a wave going through his buildings of like things turning on slowly across the whole campus. Yes. So I thought that was really neat. And, and that's, that's kind of the beauty of the building automation system because you can set it like that and really kind of fine tune it mm -hmm. over a few days to watch it and see what happens. One of the other functionalities is uh, what we call optimal start-stop. And what optimal start-stop does is that says, okay, I know I'm going to occupy this building. Let's say it's a courthouse, and I'm going to occupy, uh, most people come to work here at 7.30 in the morning, let's say. So mm -hmm. I want the building to go occupied at 7.30, and I want it to be at the temperature that it should be at. Let's say the temperature is supposed to be 72 degrees at 7.30 in the morning. So what a building automation system will do if it's on an optimal start-stop time is it will look outside and it'll say, how warm or how cold is it out? Mm -hmm. And I know by history, I keep all this in my brain, in my little computer brain, <laughs> that says, when it's 48 degrees outside, I know that to... Uh, and I've allowed the building to get down to 55 degrees uh, set back at night. So I know that I have 15, 16, 17 degrees to make up. Right. Uh, I have to get it warm. And I see that the building is at 55. So I know that that's going to take me two hours to get that temperature back up to the set point. So I start the building two hours earlier. Hmm. Now, tomorrow morning, it may only be 65 degrees out, and I only have to... I only have to start it 45 minutes early. Okay. So the, the building automation system is smart enough to keep track of that and start it so that when Grace comes into her office at 7.30 tomorrow morning that the temperature is right. I've really minimized the amount of time I've had to uh, have the equipment on 
in order for that to happen. Yeah. And then we go into occupied mode and we run out throughout the day. Hmm. <clears throat> One of the problems has been is that there's been a, a, a gross misunderstanding of how that works and what it needed to take. And it does take some tweaking to make that work right. And it has to learn the system. And so what often happens is that throughout that learning period, maybe it won't be uh, at the right temperature when you get in. Maybe it'll be a little cooler or a little warmer than you expected it to be. And so you get start, uh, the building operator, the, the uh, supervisor gets calls, it's too hot, it's too cold. We immediately go in and turn things, just schedule them on. Right. I don't want that call to, I don't want Grace to call me tomorrow morning, so I'll just go in and automatically schedule it on for two hours early, regardless of what the outside air temperature is. And so we're not allowing the system really to optimize the time that it starts and then optimize how much it costs. Right. So I have a question. You know, all of this, just listening to it, I mean, it's so interesting, but it seems like there's so much to it. Across the board, when you talk about BAS systems, is, is it pretty familiar? Like if you were to go from one system to the next, would you have an understanding of that as a facility manager? You would have an understanding of it because those functionalities are usually a part of each one of these different systems, okay. whoever manufactures them. How it's performed and how it's set up might be slightly different, okay. but the concept is the same. Is that something that usually you see people doing continuing education for, like understanding, like going and taking a computer class, something I might do for my you know, com um, professional development? Is that something that people just have to stay on top of? It, it is, and uh, that's kind of where the breakdown is, is that there are a lot of different functionalities, and usually when uh, a, a building owner... Uh, receives a building, a new building, or puts a new system in, part of the upfront process is training is involved in, right. in with these systems. Right. And so I, uh, I pay for training, but it's just like if I go to Excel training today and I learn all these things, if I don't apply them right. pretty quickly, then I forget what they were. I know that the concept of, of the functionality is there, but how to do it. Right. I, you know, if, even if I miss one comma in something in an Excel, it can Absolutely. make a big difference. And so people uh, aren't working with it every day, and so they forget about it. And so they kind of go back to the thing that they're, they're, they're accustomed to. I know how to set the schedule. I know how to turn it on and off. I know how to make a schedule override. So that's what I'll do. Gotcha. gotcha. And so... Uh, it, it's no fault of anybody's particularly. It's just that it's the way it is, and, and people have to stay on top of it. People have to understand how to operate it. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, um, uh, owners have gotten a bad rep because uh, uh, vendors will say, well, they haven't put the energy in to understand it, and then owners will say, well, the vendor really didn't set it up properly to start with. And there's there's enough blame to go around on both sides. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and so... Uh, uh, and I always say when you're choosing a building automation vendor, uh, you want to choose it carefully mm -hmm. because they're your bedmates for a long time. Right. And because they installed it, they know about it, they understand it, they're the ones that are the most proficient about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, fortunately, because of the open protocol, uh, people are becoming much more competitive in their pricing. And uh, uh, a good contractor, a good building automation contractor, uh, you can set things up and say, you know, come in and help me with optimizing my system. Right, right. Uh, I might not have all the skills myself. You do. Bring your expertise in and let's do that. The other thing is, is that an understanding of the, from the building occupants of saying, 
you know, work with me here. Right. We need to save energy. Back when uh, we had the energy crunch and the big budget cuts in, in uh, 08, 09, 010, in the school system, what I did was I said, we're going to, we had audit, always started the schools two, two hours early. I said, we're going to implement Optimus Start Stop. And what I'll guarantee you is if you have a problem, I will address it. But allow us to work through this. Let me know if it's not performing properly for you. We'll adjust it, but we're going to go to this. Right. Because here's how much it can save. And I related it back to they were cutting a lot of uh, teacher aides. The amount of money we had to save on energy uh, was equivalent to a lot of teachers' aides. And say, you know, if, we, if you work with me here, you know, we're going to save some money that can potentially save some jobs. Absolutely. And so utilizing those things and knowing that that functionality is there is important. One of the one of the challenges that uh, building owners and managers have today is that there is so much data being driven out there by different devices of things that are happening uh, that's getting so granular. Mm-hmm. We can even see how much uh, energy is being used on each outlet right. or each light fixture uh, today. And don't yeah. they even have some now that you can see like real time what's happening throughout your whole building at all times? At, at all times. And, and that's part of what this demand limiting thing does is it looks at what's going on in your building real mm-hmm. time and adjusting for it as it goes along. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much data out there. How do you manage all that data on stop commodes? Go hang the flag. Go put up a pencil sharpener. Go rearrange an office. You know, we just had some wild geese uh, nest here yeah. <laughs> uh, out on our uh, our patio out here, and I noticed the maintenance guys out there the other day setting up a barricade to protect <laughs> the people from uh, walking up to the goose. You know, all those things that we get bombarded with every day as facility managers, and now you're asking me to sit down and really understand how to optimize my building automation system. And so a lot of times I'll walk into uh, clients' buildings and You'll see over in the corner a computer with manuals and papers and drawings piled on it. And you say, well, what's that? What's that workstation over there? Well, that's my building automation system. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know that they haven't used it much for a long time. Right. So the, the, the idea of this is there's a lot of opportunities for savings out mm-hmm. there by even taking some of the basic things, the basic information and the basic functionalities of a building automation system and applying them. Plus a whole plethora of new things, new technologies, and new ways of doing things into it to really maximize on energy savings. Fine-tuning, all the new um, wireless devices and the, the electronic controls have been able to refine measurements and movements so fine that really can improve the performance and the comfort of a building, but you really have to have the understanding and the knowledge base to do that. So what would you say is one of the biggest issues with um, the BAS system right now? Is it just getting that, having all of that data and really not knowing what to do with it? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And, And people are afraid of that and they see it as this big mountain of, I'm not sure how to tackle this. Right. I know it's possible. But I, I go back to the things that I know that I can control. Right. So I just do it manually. And so really what would you then it. say, uh, what would you say at that point to someone that is maybe looking at this big pile of data and doesn't know where to start? Well, I think two things. One is if you make a commitment to learn some more functionality about right. the system. If you're going to build that expertise in-house within your own staff and build a couple uh, subject matter experts around that, 
that can work either within one property or many properties that you might manage to do that and bring that expertise in and really understand the value that they bring uh, to the organization and sell it from a dollar and cents wise of what bringing that expertise in-house will produce for you. Gotcha. The other one is, is find a trusted advisor. If you don't trust your uh, vendor that put your building automation system in, there are other vendors out there that can help you with that. Right. Uh, if you trust your uh, the vendor that you that installed it, by all means, give them that business and say, let's work together and optimize the building performance. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of companies out there today are going into business just to do that, to help people uh, manage and operate their buildings from an energy standpoint and really optimize how things are started, how they're stopped, how, they're, how they run, uh, the temperatures, differentials, and so forth in a building. So find a good trusted advisor yeah. that, will, that you feel comfortable with working with. Agree on a, um, there's all kinds of, of uh, models out there, of saving models. It can really can reduce your workload if you know what's going on. Right, and I even think like just I was amazed at some of the trade shows that we go to, and and just seeing like the new software and the new stuff that's out there that hooks up to your BAS and that can help with that automatically. So maybe even just doing that research and seeing, you know, talking to some of your peers and finding out, you know, what have you have you implemented anything new with your BAS? Is there a great program that's out there that will help me kind of tackle that mountain? Yeah. And uh, so, and we're doing some of that here at the Dude. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe another time we can talk a little bit about that and kind of would love to get some feedback from our, our clients to say, what would you think if? Right. Um, and uh, what would you think if there was a failure on your chiller and you got a work order and it had a whole bunch of information on that work order of what was going on at that time. Right. And uh, maybe we can talk about that uh, at a different show. Absolutely. Well, Bob, thanks so much for sharing about the BAS. I feel like I've learned a lot. <laughs> well, I'd just like to, uh, I'd just like to encourage uh, our listeners to not look at it as that mysterious black box that you can't do anything with. If you don't have the skills and the knowledge to do, uh, do with it, invest in somebody that does. And there's probably somebody in your organization that has an interest in it. And particularly if you get a, a younger person that is accustomed to working with computer things, and uh, you know they're just computer things to things. me, <laughs> computer things, and uh, the little black boxes Those and the things. little things that you hold in your hand and press buttons and make things blow up. Well, uh, encourage them to look at how to how to um, make the uh, energy budget come in line, uh, and give them some challenges of learning. And I think you'll find that there's people that in your organization are probably interested in that. And if there's not, you know, go outside to the experts and, and uh, uh, get that experience. That yeah, okay, great. Well, Bob, thanks again for letting me be here. Uh, I think Tony will be back very shortly. I've been talking to him, and I think his projects are wrapping up, so he'll be back in the studio soon. Well, we look forward to that, don't we? Awesome, yes, absolutely. Well, you guys can uh, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a five-star review. You can also uh, email us at podcast at facilitydude.com. Uh, Bob and I take a look at those every week, so please let us know if there's anything that you'd like to hear more about, and we'll talk about it here on the show. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.